Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese Tiefertiller. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics podcast with Reese Tiefertiller, special guest Jeff Hasley. Jeff, how goes it? It's doing great, guys. Uh, good to see you. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, let's talk about football that's coming up in a week from today, today being Thursday, when uh, we're, we're taping this show, um, we're going to have live football. We're going to have points for our fantasy teams in one week. Oh man, it's getting real, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yep. And then it'll be football straight all the way through until February. <laughs> My oh, wife's yeah. probably like, ah, I roll. Oh yeah. Oh but, yeah. Uh, there, we I have like a- it. We have a football widow and a football sister widow in this household. And just for the audience to see how long I've known Jeff, Jeff and I started at Football Guys the same year in 07, I think. That's right. And uh, it's hard to believe that we're on whatever this year is, 15 season. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Just think about all the things that have changed. Remember, we used to do the Football Guys magazine. Oh, yeah. Right, all that stuff. The uh, the CD ROM. Oh yeah. Oh man. So yeah, good times. Good technology. The T-shirt that says I'm a beta tester for the Draft Dominator. That's right. I forgot about that. Not to say that I'm old, but you know I'm old. I forgot about that shirt. Oh my gosh, I have it somewhere, or I gave it away, or something. I don't don't recall, but I remember. Totally remember that shirt. Funny. You mentioned uh, fantasy points being scored uh, on next Thursday. There's going to be a lot of them scored when it's Cowboys, Buccaneers. Yeah, in fact, uh, from what I understand, I mean, that's a uh, that's a pretty high line, too. What is it, yeah. 50, 52 points, something like that. And I think Tampa is um, – well, they're the they're the home team, so they're favored by a touchdown, I think, or six and a half, something like that. Whatever the the latest odds are, uh, seven and a half, I'm seeing. Okay, and uh, that seems about right. I mean, Super Bowl champion, you got Tom Brady. All he does is win Super Bowls, and uh, you know, of course, collect rings. And uh, and we don't know what's going on with Dak Prescott as of yet. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this game. Uh, I think uh, the entire country is. Anyone who's an NFL fan is. And there's a lot of NFL fans who are Cowboys fans. So you've got that in the corner, right? Yeah. And then anyone else is just like, oh, Tom Brady's playing. Oh, I guess I could watch. You know. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great kickoff, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out exactly how quick um of a, of a like ramp up time Dak Prescott needs here without any kind of preseason uh he's uh, coming not only the shoulder injury but the ankle injury too and, and some so many times we see these compensatory injuries off of a player who you know might hurt like in this case hurts his ankle then he hurts his shoulder well you know we're all connected right so it's it's possible that might not be the last one we see of him so in terms of injuries but but yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to it. We'll start calling him Tony Romo, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for me, um, growing up, I was a Cowboys fan, but I'm anti Jerry Jones and for so many reasons. 
And so, yeah, I don't mind watching him lose on national TV on the prime time. Oh. You know, I'm not a Brady fan by any means, but I'm uh, I wouldn't mind cheering for the Bucks to win by you know a bunch, and <laughs> then keep panning over to the. There's a little bit of a degree of, of satisfaction when like, if it's like a crushing type of victory and they pan up into the a skybox where Jimmy or Jimmy Jones, Jerry Jones is sitting. And of course, you know, he just has that look that, that look on his face, like, uh Oh, whoa, uh Oh, this is only week one. Yeah. Um, but uh, shoot. We can only hope that we'll have a game like that. Oh yeah. So what is the, week one matchup you're most looking forward to ah um well i mean as a panthers fan i'm looking forward to uh panthers and jets and and sam darnold versus his former team right so uh, i'm looking forward to that um i mean the the tampa bay dallas game definitely has uh, it's gonna have some a lot of eyes on it um i'm curious to see how joe burrow is going to play yeah. Uh, Cincinnati is going to play uh, their home versus Minnesota. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see exactly how much um, he is either back or not quite back from his ACL injury. That was only, I think just nine months ago or close to nine months. He's, he's almost like right on that, that threshold period. So um, that's an interesting one. I'm still curious to see how Chicago is going to do because you've got, Justin Fields as a possibility. I, I don't think that Matt Nagy wants to put him in against the Rams defense and Aaron Donald, and I don't blame him, but everybody wants to see what Justin Fields can do. And you have to think that he's a better opportunity for uh, playmaking than Andy Dalton. And, and maybe Andy Dalton, of course, you could argue that, you know, he has the intelligence, the brain, the experience, the knowledge, the smarts that, uh, that you kind of need on an opening type of day game, you know, especially against a, a defense like the Rams, but um, them, San Francisco, what are they going to go with? Right. With uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, everyone's excited to see Trey Lance uh, myself included. Um, I mean, I could, we could pick any game and we can talk about what the storylines are. So uh, feel free. I, I feel like I'm taking up all your airtime. <laughs> I was going to say Robbie Anderson gets the revenge game as well. And, uh, you know, the, I don't, I don't mean this as, I mean, this as a, Hey, this is an opportunity for your Panthers, but if they don't look decisively better than the jets, it's going to be a long season. You know I know, what I mean? I know that that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that all Panthers fans are kind of, uh, not quite sure. They're kind of like biting their fingernails in an anticipation of what might per, Per chance happen of course uh and and darnold's last time that we saw him in the third preseason game he looked pretty decent 160 something yards in about a half of a time um two touchdowns the line uh, the the offense was able to move the ball pretty well so that's you know that's a feather and and uh feather in his cap right for for uh what he could potentially bring week one against the jets the carl lawson list jets yeah. Right. The uh, who's the linebacker? They like Jared Davis, I believe, as well. Hurt. Um, so they've got some issues on defense. This is a home game for Carolina. So, yeah, I hope as a fan that, uh, you know, they show up for that game and they show up pretty well. I mean, they're favored by five points now uh, is what I learned. 
which is kind of surprising. The line's kind of going up in their favor. So um, that's interesting. But uh, but yeah, yeah, the, the Panthers, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Let's just put it that way. I have two questions for both of you guys. First, a statement. The one line that looks wacky to me is, I think it's the Niners at Detroit. Is that right? And, uh, yeah, no, yeah, they're at Detroit. Uh, it's yeah, only a touchdown. It's only a touchdown. And, you know, Detroit's like, I saw somebody, I'm not a betting guy, but I saw somebody betting the under of Detroit at three and a half wins. And if Detroit's really that bad and San Fran is healthy, you know, that should that should be pretty big. San Francisco should win that game. But you know what? Detroit sometimes when Detroit has their good games, we've seen it before on Thanksgiving, right? It's a big game. There's a lot of eyes on that game. Um, they tend to play better and they tend to play better at home. Granted, now we've got Jared Goff and we're going to find out how Jared Goff is going to do without his, his buddy, Sean McVay as the, as play caller. So uh, that will be interesting to see exactly how uh, effective and productive Goff could be. Goff yeah. was actually one of the better quarterbacks in the entire league last year in uh, first down passes on third down. Only Justin Herbert had more, which is uh, oh, an interesting stat. But uh, that also might just mean that he has a lot of passes on third down attempts, right? But um, still, he was able to convert. Uh, so that's uh, that's a feather in his cap. But Detroit just has so many questions. And they got rid of – they released Brashad Perriman. So, I mean, well, who were they going to have besides Hawkinson and uh, uh, DeAndre Swift is kind of banged up. So you've got Jamal Williams in there. You've got um, Amon Ron St. Brown, who from we, what we understand is likely the starting slot receiver, but he's a rookie, right? So we got to, you know, take that one step at a time and, and Detroit will either show up and do something for their fans or completely just not and struggle and perhaps get blown out by a San Francisco team that a lot of people think is going to be one of the turnaround stories of the year Yeah. with uh, even looking at a potential playoff or even Super Bowl aspirations in San Francisco. So uh, that'll be an interesting game to see if that, which Detroit team shows up and also which San Francisco team shows up. Oh yeah. And you know, if Tyrell is your starting receiver, then, you know, your best receiver, nothing gets Tyrell. But, um, Reese, what do you have? What are you thinking on this? I was thinking that, well, if, who, Jared Goff's probably going to throw the ball 45 times. It's going to, when they're going to be behind. So, Hawkinson's probably going to get 10 or 11 targets at least. But even though the 49ers do have one of the best coverage linebackers in Fred Warner, and then outside, and Swift banged up. Jamal Williams is probably going to get quite a few targets as well, at least for a running back. And then that leaves Tyrell, uh, Amon St. Brown, and whoever else wants to try to catch passes and make – it's almost like a preseason game for these Lions wide receivers. Oh, yeah, it's rough. So here's my question. Let me come back to it. And I'll start with you, Reese, and then Jeff. How long – there were two big quarterback battles, really three, but Mac Jones, Cam Newton got settled. But how long of a leash does Teddy Bridgewater and Jameis Winston have? Jameis Winston probably has a three to four game leash 
I, it also would depend on their schedule because if you're not throwing up good, good games against like the Saint or Saints, Bears, Rams, if you're not throwing up good games against them, it's understandable versus like the Jets. Yeah. So, so how about Teddy, your boys? Teddy, I'd say probably six games just because Teddy's kind of the hopeful. Maybe we can get him into the playoffs this year. And I do feel like the Broncos either want to go to the playoffs or want to have the number one overall pick. They won't because lines are bad. Jeff, Jeff, how long of a leash do you think those two quarterbacks? And I say it because there's a lot of fantasy drafts this weekend. And if you have, I mean, Jameis has fancy upside. Teddy has fancy upside with those receivers. How confident, how much leash? Well, I mean, looking at the Saints schedule, Jameis has the Packers, and what should have been a home game is now not. It's a neutral game in Jacksonville, so they lose out on that. Then they go on the road and play Carolina, which is anyone's guess who might win that. It's a divisional game. Uh, And then they are on the road again at New England. And, uh, you know, who knows with that? I mean, the Saints are a tough team, but at the same time, New England is not a slouch, especially at home, right? So – and finally, that week four, they have a game against the Giants, and I think that's their first home game, which is most likely going to be – that's October. So there's a whole month of football that they're not playing at home, all because of the situation with uh, Hurricane Ida and that situation down there in southeastern Louisiana, right? So, um, huh. I mean, it's possible that Winston could be one and three, yeah, two and two. Um, I agree with you, Reese. I think that he probably does have like three or four games – uh, of a leash i mean if he's really pretty bad i mean i can i can see them using Taysom hill a little bit more throughout the game and then maybe eventually on a wednesday news break we find out that Taysom is going to start the coming week right so that's entirely possible that could happen um he talked about bridgewater denver has a really good schedule their first couple games uh with the giant well at New York, that's probably their toughest game. Um, at New York Giants, followed by uh, at home versus no, sorry. Uh, then they're on the road again at Jacksonville, and then they're home versus the Jets, and then home versus the Ravens. But those three games, they could be three and oh, you know, Jacksonville won one game last year, so um. I don't know. I think I think Bridgewater and the fact is that Denver has looked absolutely stunning in the preseason, uh, especially on defense. They've just been making plays. And if that continues, look out. Denver could be one of those surprise teams um, that comes out of nowhere. Uh, Granted, they're going to have to deal with the Chiefs in their division. But when uh, seven teams make the playoffs, it's entirely possible. Right. So, um what else? Okay. So you mentioned the 49ers being a possible Super Bowl team, but who else do you think has a decent shot of making it there? I mean, it's like a dark horse type of team. Yes. Uh, maybe Tennessee. Maybe Tennessee. Now here, Tennessee won 11 games last year despite finishing 32nd in the league in third down conversions allowed. I mean, that's insane how did they do that um offense that's how and then they added uh julio jones so uh julio jones aj brown if they can stay healthy boy those are two outstanding receivers but again if they can stay healthy and then of course their top player derrick henry 
Uh, and Ryan Tannehill is just kind of along for the ride. And uh, I mean, he's good. Like any, any good quarterback is that we don't necessarily look at him like that, but he is right. And he's had better stats. I've seen it better stats than Patrick Mahomes over a, 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 I forget how many consecutive games. If you look at the two Tannehill's better than Mahomes and this and this and this and this, right. So um, that's kind of shocking and alarming, but um, Tennessee has a chance. I mean, if their defense can kind of come through, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to seeing is what t- Tennessee's defense can do. If their defense improves, I think that team could go someplace. So um, Tennessee is kind of a, a dark horse there for me. I, I like San Francisco, um, Washington, perhaps if they can win the division, they've got a really good defense that they are just uh, really starting to kind of get that swagger that the defenses have. So I like that if, uh, if Antonio Gibson can improve upon last year, which was already strong, uh, that's great. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, is a big upgrade over what they had last year. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a possibility that Washington could be in the mix as well. And if they can beat out Dallas for the division, I don't think Philadelphia or the Giants really are any kind of uh, competition. I think it comes down to Dallas and Washington. And, and Washington, in my opinion, has the upper hand. They win the division. They get a home game in the playoffs. You never know. Strong defense in the playoffs. You know, that's like a strong pitching core uh, in baseball. You just, those are the teams that win. And they win surprisingly sometimes. I could see Washington winning. And then look at that. They won again. And uh, now they have to maybe face, who knows, uh, the Rams or something, which they could they could win. Um, so, yeah, Washington's a, a dark horse team. I could see them doing some things. So I'm going to make a blanket statement, and you guys tell me how wrong I am, okay? Right. The AFC will be more difficult to get a dark horse through because there's too many good teams, and so it'll be hard where the NFC is top-heavy you know, with the Bucks, the Packers, and you could throw Seattle, San Fran, the Rams. AFC, mm-hmm. you have Chargers, Chiefs, Bills, New England's decent. You have uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, the Browns, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Indianapolis right. doesn't have a prayer. You know, like everybody's thinking Indianapolis. I mean, Tennessee should be able to sleepwalk through that division. No, and- that's that's a great call. The AFC is loaded. So, that yeah, I, I think that you could get more of a dark horse on the NFC side rather than the AFC side because you're going to be beating each other up. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Great take. Yeah, I just meant, you know, even New England, right? I like New England. They had eight starters that that uh, opted out last year and they spent in free agency. Mac Jones looks good. Mm-hmm. But what are the chances of them winning 11, 12 games? I think it's pretty low because even Miami's decent. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And Buffalo, uh, Miami, New England. Yeah. Two of those teams, maybe even three could potentially get a playoff berth, but I mean, it's going to come down to that last week for sure. in the AFC just to find out who gets in and uh, which great team is not going to uh, host a, a playoff game, but they're going to be a really tough out against a, you know, a, a, an AFC divisional winner, like, um, oh, I don't know, maybe, they're all strong. It's kind of, you, you can't really minimize a, a division winner. Right. So, um, but I can see one of these, one of these wildcard teams totally making a play and uh, attempting to dethrone, you know, the top seed 
in or not necessarily the top seed, but a division winner. The Saints are down. What do you think, Reese? Oh, I think you're absolutely right that the AFC is a lot more loaded. But the reason why they're a lot more loaded is because all the NFC quarterbacks are getting a lot, uh, lot more up there in age versus the AFC, which is Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, all the young guys. And the NFC is out here fending for themselves with Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. Yeah, and Breeze and Breeze retired, right? That's yes. a that's a good thought there, right? Breeze, because the New uh, New Orleans, who was a you know, top end team with Breeze. <laughs> and now Michael Thomas is missing half the season. We kind of look at them cross eyed thinking, you're not going to make the playoffs, Sean Payton. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's entirely possible. I, that's a good point about age, too. Look at even the AFC East. Yeah. Everyone's under 25, I think. Tua, Mac Jones, Josh Allen, and what team am I missing? Wilson, Jets. Oh, yeah. Zach Wilson, right? So, yeah. They're like 24, 25 might be the oldest quarterback in that entire division, which that says a lot for that, uh, the AFC East in the future. Yeah, Josh Allen. You, but you also mentioned those age. Outside of Big Ben, there's no one in the AFC North that's that old. And in the AFC South, it's only Carson Wentz and Ryan Tannehill that are not, that are. Tyrod, but yeah. Yeah, yeah he's iffy, right? Yeah. Might be Davis Mills by the end of the first uh, week. <laughs> they're playing Jackson, Jacksonville, so yeah. But you can, even the Broncos. I mean, Broncos have the only you know car is what thirty probably thirty something like that. Teddy's thirty, same yeah. draft class. And then you have Mahomes, who's pretty young. You have Herbert, who's really young. Yeah. I mean, the AFC is loaded, and uh, it's just one of those things. So talking about your Panthers here, how do you see the roles of Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore playing out? Oh, go ahead. What were you saying? I was going to say and Terrace Marshall. Yeah, we got to put in Terrace Marshall too, but I'll I'll just start with DJ Moore. I mean, last year he had the highest, uh, what is it, yards per target average, uh, 13.5 or 13.6, something like that. I'm I'm trying to remember my math. Um, And... um, Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson were much lower and more had, of course he had more yards. He had 18 yards per catch, uh, which is kind of unlike him in terms of the yardage and the high amount per catch in terms of his uh, career averages. So that was a little bit of a shock. And, and uh, there was some thought process that, well, shoot, maybe he's their deeper guy, right? They, the Panthers do a lot of shallow cross horizontal attacking type of plays. That's what uh, Joe Brady really likes to uh, employ. And um, they've used more as kind of more of like the deep thread. They don't really use the tight end. Heck, the tight end only had 27 catches last year combined for Carolina. So um, that and, and that's another story. We can talk about that, too, as well, because I think that's going to go up this year. Dan but Arnold, Dan Arnold, I, Dan I can see. I can see Terrace Marshall playing that big slot role and uh, he can be played all over the field, not just a slot. He can be, he can line up out. Um, and I think that's going to free up DJ Moore to have more intermediate type of routes. And he won't necessarily have that 18.1 yards per catch. I can see that dropping down to like 13 or 14, believe it or not. Um, and uh, he might have more catches as a result. And, you know, it'll just be a different season than what we saw last year. And keep in mind, 
Moore has just 10 touchdowns in three years with the Panthers in his career. So uh, he's not necessarily one to score. When he does score, it seems like they're longer scores. He's not like a red zone guy. Um, and I think that uh, I would not be surprised if Terrace Marshall outscores either Anderson or Moore in terms of touchdowns. Uh, and then you throw Dan Arnold into the mix here as well, Jeff. I'm, you got a twinkle in your eye, I'm sure. Uh, uh, Arnold at, at 6'6", 222 pounds, something like that. It's not your ordinary average tight end. He's more of a bigger wide receiver, and he'll be used in the red zone. We didn't really see it in the preseason, but in games and training camp and in practice, I've only heard that Arnold was uh, targeted and caught touchdowns you know in the end zone so uh i think that we might be a little bit surprised with him he's a little bit of a sleeper for the for the panthers offense um and we already know terrace marshall strong he's uh been able to do a lot in fact he led the entire preseason with uh, 180 181 182 yards uh receiving uh which is impressive he's he's got the ability to do it all 23 touchdowns in 19 games at lsu and that's with or without Joe Burrow. He's he's shown that he can do both. Um, he already has that uh, that that LSU wide receiver fraternity badge. He's earned that, and I think we're all going to be kind of pleased and excited to uh, to see what Terrace Marshall does. Um, he definitely has the potential, and we know that the, the Panthers' offense has the potential to. Uh, make him someone who could be productive because we saw it last year with Curtis Samuel and with uh, Moore and Anderson. So I don't think that Anderson is going to have those 95 catches. He's not going to have that one Christian McCaffrey is coming back. So everyone's going to have a little bit less of that offensive pie because McCaffrey is going to have to have some, right. He's going to have to have a lot. Um, Anderson, so yeah, I think his career year was last year. And if you're drafting him to be the same type of player as last year, I think you're going to be a little bit mistaken and, and sorry for that. I, not only because of McCaffrey's uh, return, but also with Terrace Marshall's presence. Um, so I'm not as high on Anderson as, uh, as some people are. And the reason why is because of the reasons I just gave the McCaffrey and, and Marshall uh, emergence and, and McCaffrey's return and Sam Darnold we just don't quite know yet with him there's a lot of questions and uh, we're going to find out for sure against the Jets and then they have the Saints uh, both home games and then they go on the road to Houston I mean a winnable game so I think we're going to know a lot by week three on uh, just how how good that Panthers offense can be with uh, with their receivers with McCaffrey's return so looking forward to it two things. I think that Darnold's a much better fit for that offense than Teddy was. And, um, you know, everybody in preseason training camp were like PJ Walker, this PJ Walker, that and preseason showed us just how much better Darnold was. And he squashed all of that talk. I mean, when yeah. Darnold's on Darnold, he's a, you know, top 10, top, 12 quarterback Reese is looking at me like I'm crazy talk here but I mean we've only <laughs> seen him in the Jets with Adam Gase I mean look at look what happened when Tannehill got out from underneath Gase yep and so 
Reese, am I saying that he's going to finish there? No, I'm just saying he can flash that Cousins Tannehill level of quarterback play, which is right in that quarterback 10, quarterback 13, 14 range. Is that fair? You know, you know one thing that we haven't talked about really yet is Seattle and Russell Wilson. I, I kind of want to get your opinion on him. Uh, last year, weeks one through nine, Russell Wilson was the number one fantasy quarterback. And week 10 through 17 to end the year, he was quarterback 21. So, and obviously he wasn't quarterback. He, he uh, I think during that time, uh, let's see if I recall. Well, I mean, there were some injuries, but I think a lot of it was uh, just Seattle was just struggling offensively maybe you can kind of share a little bit more light uh reese or jeff on uh what exactly happened there i mean they've got dk metcalf they've got tyler lockett what uh i mean what happened at the end of the year and will they get that winning you know uh let russ cook attitude back for 2021 what's your thoughts there because they, they got a new offensive coordinator too yeah i'll let reese i'll let let reese take a swing before i you do right. such a good job. I'll, I'll just remain quiet. Pete Carroll's <laughs> too stubborn and set in his ways to let Russ cook too much. But I do feel like they are a much better team when the ball is in Russell Wilson's hand versus Chris Carson. Nothing against Chris Carson, but Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback. Well, Chris Carson, so maybe top 20 running back. Yeah, he may be a little higher than that, but you're right, Reese. In the amount, you know, I could, Jeff, I'm just, I'm just saying, throwing this out there. I very much expect the conservative game plan, especially the way they're talking up Penny. They carry five running backs on their active roster. You don't do that if you're going to let Russ cook. You know, right. I mean, you don't you don't let David Moore. And I know your Panthers cut him too, but you know, what I'm saying like this is setting up as as that the one guy on that offense I like more than most people do is uh everett everett because they brought in uh shane waldron from the rams he signs everett on a one-year deal follows you know his his dude up there and we've seen small flashes where russell wilson's made will disley a top five top six tight end you know and i think everett's he's athletic he's decent you know Mm -hmm. especially if he gets that red zone but i think reese is 100 percent right Pete carroll is old school let's smash you know let's play smash mouth and and uh part of that reese is i think he likes control you know he likes to he likes to be able to hand it off okay we got four yards all right we got three now we're sitting there third three yeah that sort of thing jeff how how far off do you think we are no i think you're pretty good uh that's a a pretty good assessment and i would say that Pete carroll is a big factor in that um Chris Carson and his health now that he's kind of returning to form also suggests that they're going to run the ball and run the ball fairly heavily. You mentioned five running backs on their roster, which that suggests that running the ball is going to be common. But here's the thing, though, with the, with their division, I mean, that's a tough division, arguably the hardest division in all of football. There's going to be close games. There just will. And when there's close games, and Russell Wilson is on the field. He's going to do whatever he can to make, you know, to make that happen. I can see Seattle being kind of like a, uh, perhaps like a, a ground controlled type of offense at first, like a first half type of team. And then the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, they have to turn it on. 
Uh, and I can see Russell Wilson just kind of doing his magic because that's what he does. It's amazing. Uh, it really is to watch him play. And, and how many times have we seen him with the ball in his hands last win the game for Seattle? Uh, whether it's a field goal, a touchdown, uh, whatever it might be. Wilson has that it factor, that it ability. And I think we're still going to see that. Um, whether he's the top quarterback, no. I don't I don't think he will be, but I also don't think he's going to be the 21st quarterback either. Uh, the truth is somewhere in between. I just like watching him play. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Seattle can do in a really tough NFC West with the Cardinals, the Rams, and the 49ers in, in addition to Seattle. I mean, take your pick. I don't even know who's going to win the division. That's where I was going to go. But, Reese, what you got? I noticed that none of us brought up the fact that Seattle's offensive line is not very good at all in a division where you have Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd on one team, Nick Bosa, and the entire 49ers defense line. That's really good. And J.J. Watt. brought in Watt and Jones, as you just said. Yeah. And Wilson's going to be running for his life in that division. And Carson is not going to be as effective going up against all those guys. Yep. So here, let me pitch good this points. to you guys. Who – who do you think win is top of that division, Reese, and who's at the bottom of that division? Rams at the top, Cardinals at the bottom. How about you, Jeff? Niners at the top, and either Cardinals or Seahawks at the bottom. Yeah, I just meant though it's going to be tough, and so I'd rather you know instead. The bottom of- is like seven wins or eight wins. Yeah, so that's the know, bottom. <laughs> that's the perfect. bottom. Yeah, I, all right. This is just me being around for a long time. Kingsbury wins six games or less, maybe seven or less. He could be on the way out. I mean, yeah. he's had a flashy offense, but you know, I don't, I don't know if there's been too much proof in that pudding. Hey, can we talk about Cincinnati a little bit and Jamar Chase? Yes. I don't, I don't know if he was on your uh, on your sheet here or not, but any concern from you? either of you about Jamar Chase and his Chuck Knobloch disease, uh, the yips, whatever you want to call it, right. Where he can't catch the ball, maybe Jerry Judy, right. Last year, Judy kind of had the same type of issues and we saw it more after Cortland Sutton hurt his, hurt his knee. It's out for the year. So all this pressure, right. Is now on Judy to deliver. And he kind of struggled a little bit at first. And I can kind of see that with Jamar Chase, Cincinnati does not need him. I don't see him as the alpha type of receiver yet. I, I don't. Um, perhaps, though, in his mind, though, he's thinking, I better perform. I'm Jamar Chase. Look what I did in LSU, right? I'm. This is me. I was, I was picked in the top 10. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of pressure on him. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit skittish on him as a fantasy producer this year, especially early on. And we kind of tend to see that, right? McLaurin a little bit struggled. Actually, McLaurin was really good early. But A.J. Brown, it took him a little while. Um, thinking back, yeah, Keenan Allen, even going back further, you know, kind of struggled a little bit as a rookie. It took him some time to get going. Um, Justin Jefferson, even, a little bit of time to get going, but then he did. Um, are we going to get, year. are we going to see the same type of thing from Jamar chase? Uh, and is he ever going to reach that gear where he becomes easily startable type of, uh, Justin Jefferson type of wide receiver? If I'm worried about him, I'm more worried about separation than I am as hands. 
because you know Judy's gonna be able to separate in the phone booth, <laughs> and uh, the you know that stuff corrects itself over time. You know he didn't play last year. Let's give Chase a little bit of a break on not playing yeah. for a year and being rusty. And uh, I think we had a guest on uh, recently that Reese that told us about um, how top six drafted wide receivers, top six picks in the draft are almost undefeated for having great, you know, seasons and careers. The worst one was Corey Davis, who arguably still isn't that bad of a floor. And yeah. so I yeah. give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm, all I'm saying is if I'm watching anything, I'm worried less about his hands and I'm worried. I mean, Jefferson had some drops early uh, last year. If I'm worried more, I'm worried more about watching how he separates. Because T. Higgins can be an alpha. You're right. Auden Tate is decent. Tyler Boyd is decent. Mixon, even Chris Evans and uh, Pirine in the backfield. I mean, that that offense should put up points. Reese, what are you thinking? Jamar, drops happen. Jamar Chase will probably put it back together. And if he, Joe, if Joe Burrow and him have the connection that they did back in college. I have no concerns about Chase. That's true. That's one thing that we haven't seen yet, really, is Burrow and Chase uh, together and, and their chemistry. That's an excellent point. And um, it's uh, it's entirely possible that he has a boom in week one uh, uh, type of performance against Minnesota also, who doesn't necessarily have the greatest secondary. So, uh, yeah, it's possible. And, and if it doesn't, then, you know, then maybe we, uh, we, we reweigh this a little bit. But for right now, yeah, I, 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 I like the call of him being able to overcome this. Yeah. It, but even if we're talking about connections, Joe Brady, Terrace Marshall, you know, mm-hmm. that same connection. We, you know, everybody talks about cronyism, but if you put me in a position like Joe Brady or Burrow and my backside's on the line, I'm going to surround myself with people I know that can produce or I'm comfortable with, you know, yeah, and, and we, and we criticize Tua, Tua as well. And, and Jaden, yeah. Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Which brings up another uh, interesting storyline is uh, Miami versus New England. We got the Bama Bowl at quarterback. And Flores. And Flores is the next Patriots coach. Uh, yes, that's right. And, so there's there's that too. That's yeah. Interesting week one battle. Um, that's just one that, you know, Minnesota, all the way back to when they had Ronnie Williams running the Wildcat and upset him. I don't know if you remember that. And, um, you know, Miami's kind of had New England's number throughout yeah, the years. That's right. At least one game a year. But we'll find out whether Mac Jones – I I'm one of those people that likes Mac Jones for the long haul. I just think people are getting way too excited in the short term. Well, I did. I, you probably saw the stat where Mac Jones had eight possessions in the preseason. All eight of those possessions resulted in a touchdown or a field goal. You probably saw that. And to me, that says a lot, a lot. That says an awful lot. And, and uh, for his ability to do that and his ability to dethrone Cam Newton, if you want to say that um, so early on, I think is a feather in his cap. And I'm not saying he's going to be Justin Herbert this year, but he could, if there's anyone who could, Mac Jones is on a short list yeah. of players who could, because we weren't thinking this out of Justin Herbert this the last this past year. I liked him out of Oregon. I was high on him. I did not see him, you know, having 31 touchdown passes, right? 
Right. Um, I didn't see him having the type of year that he did, but uh, we've been surprised before. I definitely think though that New England's offense, uh, particularly their uh, their fantasy players, all kind of get a bump with Mac Jones at quarterback rather than Cam Newton because. Cam struggled with the touchdown passes. He struggled just passing downfield at, at, uh, at times. Of course, he's this great rushing presence, and that's fine, but you got to get there. You have to get to the 20 to, uh, to be able to utilize those skills and talents in a sense, and uh, he kind of struggled with that, and we saw it in his low touchdown numbers, passing touchdown numbers. Um, uh, can I change gears real quick again? I'm, I'm like, leading this. I, I don't mean to. Um, uh, you're good. What are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts? Another, another like fantasy uh, conundrum, I guess. I mean, he's the ultimate risk reward. It seems uh, I'm just kind of curious on your thoughts on him early on in his career, halfway through the year, whatever, what have you. I, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to, um, to come up to speed, to be a, a fantasy relevant type of player. And some people think he's going to be on the gas from week one. So I'm curious what you think. I am not thinking that he's going to be a great player. I'm not buying him at current price, mm-hmm. but the the Falcons are going to throw the ball 600 plus times this year. Calvin Ridley is going to command 150 of them. Russell Gage maybe will be able to command a hundred of them, but what happens to the other 350? Cal Pitts is in an easy position to command hundred of those and if he does and he if he can show his talent in the nfl he could have a really good year but he could also have a really bad year as you were saying with the boom and bust and there's ba- mismatches in the division that he can exploit because carolina does not have a good a tight end weapon and a lot of people on their schedule do not but he also has to get up to speed with the offense. So I'm liking him, just not at current cost. So let me tell you this. I'm going to throw out a number. I'm just out to see my pants. For him to live up to that tight end four ADP, tight end three some places, he's got to have like 80 catches, 800 yards, eight touchdowns. And I'm not seeing that. I mean. It's hard to do even as a rookie wide receiver, let alone a tight end who has to know all of the, I mean, he, he's already being asked to do so much. I mean, he has to know the rushing plays, the, the blocking schemes. Uh, he has to know all of the, the routes, um, the, the pass protections, and like for, you know, each different personnel that he's out there for, he's, he's got to know that. And that's a lot to ask of, of a rookie, a rookie tight end. And um, shoot, I mean, he's sort of struggled a little bit in that area with Florida. So, I mean, I, I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. And I've, could it, could we see him do wonderful things week one, week two, perhaps? Uh, yeah, that's possible. Just like we saw Hawkinson do as a rookie, his week one, which was, we were all like, oh, my gosh, this guy. Where? And then he's like, that was like his best game of the season, right? So, uh, I mean, Atlanta's got Philadelphia uh, week one. Then they're at Tampa, tough game. But then they're at the Giants. Then they're home versus Washington. It's a it's a roller coaster up and down. We're gonna see what's gonna happen here. And then the Jets. It literally is a roller coaster. Um, so yeah, I I'm with you though. If he if if he can, and they they definitely have the space to occupy him, right? Because essentially he's Julio Jones's replacement. If you think of it that way, um, then he could could in fact produce and be productive, but. 
there's still that if and uh just the fact that yeah he's gonna have to like you said jeff 80 catches 800 yards eight touchdowns in order to come close to that adp spot where he's at and that's it just doesn't make logical sense to, to draft him it, it doesn't i it doesn't plus let's take it a step further he's not going to be on the field every down because hayden hurst is going to be on there and some of the blocking down true yeah and so unless i mean arthur smith could run some 12 personnel with two receivers with you know julio and gage and two tight ends but even if you're splitting that up a little bit it's still it just chips away and so Anyway, Reese, what do you think? You think I'm off, off base on this? I think Arthur Smith does not have a history of running 12 personnel, even though because he didn't really have the players to do that in Tennessee, because you're not going to run Anthony Berkshire on the field as much versus whoever else, maybe a fullback for Derek Henry. But he does have the best weapons to run 12 personnel, but 12 personnel arguably in the league outside of uh, New England. So he could, but I don't think he will. But and also, Kyle Pitts does have an injury history, if I remember right. And if that's mm-hmm. the case, he could see uh, see an injury like quite a few rookie tight ends have. Yeah. I would say this: I if I'm playing, if I'm defending the Falcons, you're doubling Ridley, and you're going to make sure Pitts can't beat you. And you're saying, okay, Mike Davis, Hayden Hurst. And Russell Gage, why don't you all beat us? Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, like, I, I just don't, I, I give these defensive coordinators way too much credit. Just if, like if I one of, no, go ahead. If one of Ridley or Pitts gets hurt, I think that the team just struggles yeah. because then everyone's going to know that Ridley's going to get the ball. Or if Ridley's out, then everyone's going to know Pitts is going to get the ball. And uh, it's, it's going to be really difficult to uh, try to confuse your defense and run plays that uh, can surprise people for surprise teams. So yeah, I could see that being a, a, a problem. If again, if it happens, I can't believe Philly's an underdog against the Falcons. Not that I think Philly's very good, but. I mean, Falcons could be a bottom five team in the league very easily. Yeah, they could. Very they could. I want to point out that they're the number four draft picks uh, this past year, so they were a bottom five team this <laughs> They were. <laughs> and they got worse. I mean, it's not like they got better other than coaching. They even tried not to win, and they lost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To get that Detroit game? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Um what else? What else? What else? Um, one wide receiver that I am kind of trying to find myself taking in a lot of different leagues, and I'm pretty much done drafting uh, my leagues, is uh, Elijah Moore. I really like him with the Jets. Uh, I, I like his ability to, you know, be that big, uh, that big presence downfield, and the ability to make contested catches. That's something the Jets don't have really outside of Corey Davis, and and, and even Davis sort of struggles with that. Um, I could see him being kind of like an AJ Brown type of player, you know, come like week nine or 10 and all of a sudden he's like the man in New York. Um, I I'm curious what you guys think of, of Elijah Moore. And it's also something that, um, JC Horn Panthers corner, uh, top corner in the draft 
was saying was one of the hardest, toughest uh, receivers that he ever had to face. And he's faced a lot, right? Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, all these SEC players. He said Elijah Moore, also SEC, Ole Miss, um, was one of the toughest ones. In addition to Kyle Pitts, he also said as well. But, um, and, you know, stuff like that. I have a kind of mental memory on that. I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, Elijah Moore, you know, and uh, just watching his film. I mean, he just looks strong. I, I am... I don't want to say I'm uh, in over my head on Elijah Moore. I just, I just like his potential and, and perhaps Zach Wilson can get him there. Possibly. But we heard that last year. I forgot what the DB from Wisconsin said that about um, no, from Nebraska said that about Quintus Cephas best receiver I played against. Not these Ohio state guys, but Cephas, you know, and he's buried on a bad team. I don't think I heard that one. Yeah, I forget who's the who's the rookie cornerback last year from Nebraska. Long last name, but the name like Tiefer Tiller. I I can say somebody has a long last name, but <laughs> anyway, um, I prefer for this year. I prefer Callaway to uh, Reese. Give me the side eye too. Oh, uh, which Callaway are you referring to? Marquez the, Callaway, the one that's on a roster, the one for KC uh, didn't make it, but uh, Marquez. Just because he's flash, he looks like Marcus Colston to me, and mm-hmm. I'd rather have him this season, especially because Mike Thomas is gone for at least the first half of the season. I just don't like the combination of rookie receiver, rookie quarterback with on a team without a decent running back other than a rookie, and you're in a division with at least two very good defenses in New England and Miami. I mean, I like him as a dynasty guy. I really mm-hmm. like Elijah Moore as a dynasty guy. Mm-hmm. I'm just not so sure I like him this year. Hmm. All right. Well, we're, we'll see. We'll definitely see. I just don't – I will say I'm biased against rookie receivers as a whole. I just – it's so hard. And tight ends as well. I just mm-hmm. think it's hard. Look at all the guys that just flopped. I mean, whether it's Rager up in Philly or – you know what I'm saying? All these guys are just tough. And then you can always throw Justin Jefferson back in my face, and I'm okay with that. But <laughs> I just meant there it's just hard, right? It's really hard for these rookies to come in. They need so much to go right mm-hmm. to to hit it. If you had to pick a rookie between just this group, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, which one of those four do you think is going to be most uh friendly in terms of fantasy production this year or dynasty this year just this year reese you want to take that or you want me to go for it i'll go for Devonte smith just because jalen hurts is gonna to have to throw the ball quite a bit and i don't see garden and Ertz commanding that big of a target share and so if someone's gonna to have to catch passes for that Devonte smith has shown he's the most talented wide receiver that we've probably seen in the past five years not named jamar chase yeah, I was just going to say Waddle because I was I was looking at the quarterbacks of those. Yeah, right. I was trying to marry that up. I like Darnold, mm-hmm. but I like Tua a little more. And uh, I, Jeff, I have this sneaky suspicion that we're sleeping on Tua if he can stay healthy. I mean, he's got Parker, Fuller, Waddle, Jacecki. Yeah, I mean, he looked good in the preseason. He looked darn good, sharp, accurate, uh, especially to his tight ends downfield. You know. Um, I'm I'm with you there. I, I think that Tua has it, especially if if Miami and they put all this 
this to bed about Deshaun Watson. I don't, I don't think Watson is going anywhere anytime soon right now. I just don't. And um, I think once Tua kind of realizes that and he gets to go ahead from the coach, maybe gets a couple wins. Uh, yeah. I, I think that uh, the, the tide could turn in terms of his rise up the rankings, I guess, if you will, for, uh, for Tua. Yeah. Cause Buffalo doesn't have very good defense. Jets don't have very good defense. I mean, Buffalo's got a great offense. Do you, do you disagree with their defense? I think they have one of the better defenses. Yeah, I do. How'd they finish last year? Middle of the pack. Yeah. See, I think they're, I think they're in the 18 to 25 range defense. I would say higher than that, but you know, Hey, uh, that's just my opinion. Plus, you know, you've got a, a defensive minded coach as well which is also a plus um but uh and they have they have good players they have good uh they have good linebacking crew good defensive line good secondary not great but good right so they they make they make their plays and uh offensively though yeah they're just just, they're a juggernaut and uh, that may be where why the defense plays well yeah but also i think it's because mcdermott's such a defensive guy they've invested resources on the offensive side more than defense thinking that he's going to help coach it up more because mm-hmm. you look at where they spent even Emmanuel Sanders or of course we all would say Diggs but you know they even sign in Brita as depth I like that signing for Buffalo I just Mitchell Trubisky was money that they probably didn't have I mean how big of an upgrade is Trubisky over Matt Barkley you I think know. Trubisky is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the entire league. And people laugh at me. I'm like, well, there's a guy who has uh, 18 games of multiple touchdowns in his career. How many backups can even say they have 18 touchdowns? Yeah, you I know? agree with that. I, I was just saying if Josh Allen's hurt, they're probably struggling anyway. So it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's true. That's all I was getting at. But you're right. You know, there's only what? six or eight good backup quarterbacks in the league. And that's including the Chase Daniels, Colt McCoys of the world. That's you right. know, that's not including the, I mean, Miami has one of the middle of the road or higher with Jacoby Brissett. But, yeah. you know, you look at Dallas with Cooper Rush or. Um, they the just Ra- signed Will Greer. Yeah. Raiders with Peterman or the Chiefs with Henny. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean. I was like, I mean, at least Colt McCoy was an average starter, maybe below average, but uh, you know, long-term chase Daniel. I, I just, I mean, I tell you one guy that really impressed me in the preseason was Tyler Huntley on yeah. Baltimore. He looked really good running that offense, same offense, same type of offense that Vic run or Vic. Hello. Uh, Vic. I said, Vic, that <laughs> Lamar, Lamar. Of course I didn't mean that. Um, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> Uh, same type of offense that Lamar runs. Um, so uh, he looked he looked sharp. I, I have a feeling if Lamar misses some time, God forbid, I think I think Huntley could do some damage as a, as a quarterback. Yeah, they cut McSorley. Mm-hmm. I was just saying that a lot of those teams are. I mean, look at Seattle. We t- you talked about Russ. He's got Geno Smith behind him. You know, <laughs> right. like if there was ever a situation that. Cam Newton should go to, I would say Seattle. Oof. I mean, because Geno's nothing against Geno Smith personally. He can take but, Greg Olson's old apartment. Oh, yeah. But you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I just, these teams that are contenders, <laughs> it's rough. I mean, yeah. you know, Matt Stafford has John Wolford behind him. 
in you know where who's, the, who's the Cleveland backup? I don't even know. It's right Case now. Keenum. It's Case Keenum. Keenum. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reese, uh, Green Bay. Yeah, Jordan Love. <laughs> uh, so many questions. So many. And you know what? Here's the thing. We're gonna run into that. Whether it's a COVID. Uh, yeah. Or if it's a concussion, or if it's an ankle, a calf, a hammy, a groin, shoulder, which we see from quarterbacks often, uh, we're we're just gonna we're gonna run into it, and someone's gonna you know show out, or they're gonna not, and uh, we're gonna wind up exploding that most most likely. But that's uh, that's why we play. Oh yeah, I don't think we play for them to get injured though. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm glad he's busting your chops like he busts mine. <laughs> I don't bust his like I bust yours. I don't do it every day. No, I know. <laughs> like, I'm easy pickings. Um, so, as we close, Jeff, what is, who are your, uh, if you were thinking AFC championship game, NFC championship game, who are you thinking? In the AFC? And NFC. Who's, and who's the NFC? All right. Let's, I guess we'll start with NFC. I mean, it's, it's really difficult not to think that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, with everything that they're bringing back this year, can't do it again. So I, I kind of like, I, I kind of like Tampa and San Francisco, actually, in, in the NFC and the AFC, Buffalo KC. Let's bring it. <laughs> I, I, I really like to see that. I think that, uh, I think Buffalo has a, a, an opportunity to be the top dog in the AFC, but, but they're going to have to go through KC to do it. And they play them week five in Kansas city, which could be an interesting type of battle for uh, not just the playoff spot, you know, number one seed perhaps, but also um, bragging rights for what could be a, a visit in the AFC championship. So yeah, that's my pick. I'll, I'll say Buffalo, KC, and I'll say San Francisco and Tampa. How about you, Reese? I was thinking Tampa, LA Rams, just because I don't trust the Packers or the Cowboys. I'm going with Rams just because I trust Matthew Stafford's going to be a major upgrade over Jared Goff and all the pieces they have around uh, their quarterback to let them let him succeed. And then it's hard to go against Kansas City. The one thing I don't trust for Buffalo is their defense. So, I'm I'm a bad influence. <laughs> I could have told you that. I will. Um, who else do you like there? Titans probably, just because I like all the additions they brought in with Caleb Farley, Bud Dupree, and even Mike Vrabel being a defensive mind coach. Hopefully, get that back on track. But I like the Titans' defense this year, and their offense is going to steamroll opponents. I'll go with. I'll go with an uh, upset for most. I'll take uh, Buffalo and Baltimore. Ah, okay, it, it, interesting. Used to. I don't know, but I just they uh, they're all right. The one thing going for KC is they bolstered their O line. You got to yeah. give them credit. They but did. as as teams pay their quarterbacks, and you can't invest in the defense because you pay your quarterbacks year two, year three, it's hard to keep it going, and that's that's more plus it's tough division i mean and it's just one of those that i just have a gut feeling that i i could see green bay like not running the table but winning their division 12 13 games or so hosting the playoffs perhaps beating a team uh you know in the in the in the playoffs at home right at lambeau fields cold imagine trey lance coming to lambeau field for the first time 
I don't think they play each. Uh, yeah, they do. Week three, they play each other. It's in San Francisco, though. Um, but uh, Trey Lance going to Lambeau Field in the playoffs, having to beat Green Bay, that just sounds like a tough game. Provided Trey Lance is your quarterback, I, I honestly think he will be. Um, but uh, I, I, I could see Green Bay trying to do something, a little bit of danger with from them. But beating Tom Brady, though, and the Bucks, that's just – I, I don't know. And, and the only thing I can think of is if somehow, some way, the wheels fall off of Brady, who knows, a concussion or um, maybe he gets COVID for whatever reason and, and he's out for two weeks or who knows what, um, that I could see that Tampa could really kind of struggle. But uh, who's Tampa's backup? It's, um, it's Kyle Trask. They cut, uh, they cut uh, Gabbard. Uh, yes. With Kyle Trask. But Tampa is 100% vaccinated. At least it came out this week. And so can they get COVID? Sure. But the teams that I worry about are the ones where they have key players that aren't vaccinated. We it pops up on a Saturday. Yeah. And we find out about it on a Sunday that, oh, that player is not going to play because they're quarantined. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Who's your NFC pick, Ted? You never pulls up. Um, I'll take Tampa Bay. I mean, I think it's hard not to, right? And even the small pieces, like them keeping everybody together, plus adding a guy like Gio Bernard is a, is a plus to me because I don't like their running backs at all. Um, I'm not going Green Bay. I think Rodgers was super efficient last year. Um, not Seattle. Did you know? Cowboys? No. Washington? Oh, no. Yeah. Washington versus San Fran is the tough one in my head because it, it, it's all about how well does Fitzy play, right? Because I love Rivera as a coach and how well does Fitzy play? Because that's a solid team. They added Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas emerged, solid team in a bad division. But it's all on Fitzy, right? It's all on the beard and the chest hair hanging out. <laughs> and uh you know, yeah. what I'm we'll find out if he's a second half quarterback this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Reese, you got any other questions? So, you mentioned Lance taking, uh, taking over uh, by the playoffs. So, when do you think he will actually take over for Garoppolo? Before week eight. Definitely before week eight, perhaps sooner. It also depends on how well. Garoppolo does. I mean, if, if San Francisco, let's just take a look at their schedule here. San Francisco has Detroit at Philadelphia, uh, and then they're at home versus Green Bay, Seattle, and Arizona. So they have a little division string there, and then they have their bye. If, if some way Garoppolo loses to Detroit or Philadelphia, I think there's a, a huge, uh, I don't know what the word would be. Opportunity. 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 Right, yeah, exactly. To, uh, I was going to say outroar from the fans to, uh, uh, to get Trey Lance in there. Um, uh, so if, if Garoppolo struggles, I can see him going in there, but I, I just think it's going to be more of a mid season type of thing uh, with, with him, with Lance. And uh, eventually I think that he's going to be the reason why the team does so well. Yeah. He's probably going to be four and one through that stretch. And take it a step further, I think Lance plays every game about 10 plays, just enough to make fancy owners, fancy man. Yeah, salivate. And unhappy, right? Because right? you won't be able to start any. Yeah. 
I did read right. something today, Reese, is Iuk still hasn't practiced. This is, we're recording this on Thursday night. And so do they need him against Detroit? Probably not. But there's a point to where having Iuk in the lineup is, uh, they'll need him when they go play against their division. Yeah, but we'll anyway. see. And then Justin Fields, you know, same thing. This depends on how well Dalton does and who they have, the Rams. Then they're home versus the Bengals. Then they're at the Browns, home versus the Lions, at the Raiders, home versus the Packers. Talk about a roller coaster, right? Up and down, up and down. We'll see how Andy Dalton does. And uh, I think Fields is by far the better quarterback, in my opinion, in terms of uh, ability. Yeah. We know we know the intangibles that Andy Dalton brings, and those are, are plentiful, right? But, shoot, Fields, I think, can do a lot. And uh, I really look forward to seeing what he does. Especially if you're the third-best team in the division. You need and that upside. I'm sure Denver and Carolina fans are thinking, please don't be great, <laughs> because they dropped the ball on, on – uh, not selecting him and both taking a corner in the, in the draft as opposed to uh field. So Patrick Sertan and uh, JC Horn will be looking over their shoulders and seeing how uh, Justin Fields did, because that could have been, it could have been him instead of them. Well, I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but the other team that probably could have taken a quarterback would be the lions. Cause if they yeah. had fields on their team, they're, they have a lot of upside and they could have yeah. put, off to a team that could have used a quarterback, let's say the football team before they got Fitzpatrick, they could have got to him for a future first rounder and then taken Justin Fields and their trajectory would be looking a lot higher than whenever they take Panay Suel. Yeah, but even like your Broncos, people are talking about them possibly trading either Fuller or Callahan and I'm like, well, you would need it if you drafted Fields yeah. And just let yeah. your, your DBs like it is, like they are. And so, uh, you know, we enjoy the soap opera. We enjoy watching all this play out, Jeff. We enjoy seeing, hey, was that T. Fertiller guy, was he right about Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson? Was he not? You know, I mean, we all enjoy this. And that's where we dig it. We're up late on a Thursday night recording this because we enjoy the the games we enjoy the drama the soap opera of it i have one question for both of you guys this thursday it may change but between now and when this airs where and when does cam newton sign <laughs> i don't know man and, and here's the thing with cam is now we've seen him kind of ex excused from two different teams and it could be more, not necessarily with his play, but the, the type of personality and attitude and, and um, uh, behind the scenes type of persona that he has. And no one's ever, ever going to admit it. But in a sense, Ron Rivera has mentioned that before, that he's kind of a handful. And, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine Cam and Bill Belichick really, they're like oil and water, it seems. Um, and uh, that's a that's a tough one. Now that we've seen two teams just kind of uh, say, okay, there's the door, uh, you kind of got to wonder a little bit, you know, do you want this type of a player on your team? 
and not even really getting into the whole X's and O's of it all. He's going to have to, I mean, it took him a year, if not more to learn the new England offense. What is he going to have uh, in terms of struggles? If he goes to a new team and has to learn that offense, I could see him being more of like a goal line type of weapon, you know, a Taysom Hillish type of player um, wherever he may land. I don't necessarily see him as a, as a starter or maybe not even a backup, even though that's kind of the role he would have to play. I, I see him more as just an offensive weapon in the inside the five yard line, give him the ball. I mean, he could score. He could still score seven or eight touchdowns this year. If he's not quarterback, he could. Yeah. And it just depends on where he might go. So um, if I had to pick, I mean, you mentioned a good one there with Seattle. That's interesting, Jeff. Um, I mean, Houston needs somebody, right? But I don't think Houston's really the spot. Um, perhaps Jacksonville, but I don't really see uh, Urban Meyer taking him on. Um, a team that he would fit. Uh, not Green Bay. That's not That's not it. Um, man, what if he went to Tampa? What Dallas. if he went to Tampa? Or Dallas. I can see him down or Denver. The Denver already has two guys. They're not going to pay. A you third. don't think Denver? They're not going to pay a third. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's, I have no answer there. I just think that wherever he goes, he's going to be more of a weapon rather than a quarterback. What do you think, Reese? I feel like the correct answer is Houston, but it's not going to be the right answer for Cam or the Texans. Right. The Texans are going to. Pro- I think the Texans will sign them and then realize their mistake midway through the year. But by that point, the Deshaun Watson dust will probably have settled and they will see their error of their ways, but they can't do anything about it. Yeah. You know, Gruden's always been kind of enamored with him. Yeah. John Gruden has, although he says a lot of things about everybody, right? He's the best linebacker to this. You'll see. Um, But, uh, I could I could potentially see Gruden trying to pull a a, a fast one and uh, you know throwing him into their offense somehow some way I, that seems like a a fit. Two things. I don't know. Two things. His uh, vaccination stance I think will stand in the way somewhat. True. And I think he will only sign after week one, so his contract's not guaranteed. Nobody's going to give him big money right. for that. Right. And if I'm him, given those two, I wait and wait till there's an injury. Like if Dak goes down, Dallas is going to be desperate, right? Or, um, you know, and I mentioned Seattle, Geno Smith. You know, I mean, Pete Carroll be chomping that gum fast with Geno Smith uh, under center. I just think that at this point, he's better off just waiting because he's not going to get big money beforehand. And so wherever he the Go only ahead, one sorry. I was going to say is, given the Carson Wentz situation, if Indianapolis thinks they're a contender, which I don't agree with, but if they think they're a contender, I could see that. Wherever he lands, whoever that running back is that might be on your fantasy roster for that team, is, uh, that's going to be a, a downward spike for that particular player. Let's just say he goes to the, the Raiders, right? Josh Jacobs. Sorry, 
Cam's getting that ball inside the four. You know what I mean? So uh, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know where he'll land, but wherever he goes, there's going to be someone who's not going to be too happy with the running back situation there. The other thing, and I'm sure Reese was thinking of it because he's way ahead of me most of the time, is that two of the most respected coaches in the NFL, most two of the most the longest tenured, maybe outside of Andy Reid, said no thanks. You know, Tomlin, no to Cam. So uh, Ron Rivera. Oh, Rivera and and Belichick is what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, two of yeah. the longest tenured yeah. guys don't want him. And Rivera could only has... potentially get him. Could could Pittsburgh get him? Possibly, and he's an upgrade over Mason Rudolph, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think you would be, though, Jeff. And so, <laughs> I just don't – I'm just saying, though, two of the longest – so Tomlin's been able to handle all personalities. I mean, you know, of course he pushes guys out that can't, can't do it, and we never hear about it, but I guess Tomlin would be it. But, you know, if you have two strikes against you and one of them's Belichick and the other one's Rivera – it's hard to – it's uphill. And you all mentioned Houston. I just don't see it. I think Houston, since they won all draft picks for Deshaun Watson, I think they won a tank. And so having a guy like Cam versus Tyrod, you'd rather just have Tyrod or Davis. Yeah, Mills right. And tank. You know I mean? Right. You'd rather just circle the drain. Hey, Jeff, can I throw a, a dynasty question at you here? Um what, if anything, are you getting out of J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, or Travis Etienne? If, if you're looking to sell, what, what could you potentially get? Or this, what, what would I, you want? I had this question earlier today. So of the three, the guy I want the least is Akers. Achilles are rough. You know, I mean, there haven't been too many guys that, right. that have rebounded from that. Etienne is the guy who I think is undervalued because – he had surgery today. I think it was today, maybe yesterday. And he's only out four or five months. So that puts him January. And then he has the whole off season to get better. Sure. You have the risk because of James Robinson, right? You have that mm -hmm. risk that he explodes, but man, they were talking Etienne up in before he got injured. So he'd be the one I'd be writing. I love JK Dobbins. He's got, what, an eight- or nine-month recovery with that ACL. We don't know if there was any other damage. So you take eight or nine months, puts him in, what, June, July? That's kind of, that's kind of tight for him to come back. Would you, would you wait to trade him or trade them, train him now? It's, it kind of seems like it makes more sense to trade him later. The only one I would trade now is Akers, just because I don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, the chances of the Achilles, all it's going to take is one uh, speed bump in the recovery to, to make everybody go south on him. Yeah. And right. at the end, who cares if you're getting next year's picks now? You're trading. I mean, next year's draft class is supposed to be lesser than this year's at all those, at all those positions. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. I like Dobbins. Um I like Etienne, don't like Akers. In fact, I would, I will probably be active in my dynasty leagues trying to pursue those two guys, especially in leagues that have uh, injured reserve. Yeah. Because right. if you have a late first round pick next year, because you think your team's good, why would you not give it for one of those two guys? Right. 
right? And throw in a whatever else running back. Do you think I'm Reese? Do you think I'm wrong on those? No. No. I mean, J.K. Dobbins is in a really good situation as long as he can keep Gus Edwards to the side, which was the predominant thought, even with Lamar Jackson there. And Travis Etienne, the size shape, they both J.K. and Etienne both have stiff competition, at least with one, one running back that is pretty good. And I don't think, like you said, I don't think Akers is coming back as strong as he was at the end of last year. He's not going to do what he did to, on Thursday night to the Patriots again. And he's got Michelle under contract for two more years and Henderson under contract for three years. They would not have traded for Michelle if they thought Akers was going to be great next year. They would have they would have signed Le'Veon Bell or somebody like that. Or you know what I mean. I think yeah. the Tony Michelle trade giving up a fourth tells you that. And uh, Akers didn't even do it on the field, right? Didn't he do it like the gym or yeah, something? It was off the field. I'm off just saying. Field. I'm, you understand, I, I cheer for these guys. I cheer uh-huh. for these guys. I, I had Cam Akers on some Debbie teams because he was a quarterback in high school. And those Florida State teams at the end of his career weren't very good. You know, we had to kind of project. But Reese is right. I like Dobbins. I like Etienne. And I would even argue that Akers has as much competition as those two with both Michelle and Henderson. You disagree, Reese? Henderson and Michelle are not near as talented as uh, Gus Edwards is. Gus Edwards is getting five or six yards to carry, no matter who the other running back is. That's fair. But you could say it's the offense. But, you know, James Robinson's very good as well, right? Yes. Showed us that last year. James Robinson's my undervalued dynasty player right now, Jeff. Just because I see people trading them for peanuts because they are saying, well, it's only one year. I'm like, Pete does great this year. Yeah, right. They're not going to be like, oh, no, we're our bad, you know. Yeah, I mean, right. They're not going to. They're going to figure out what to do with Etienne and Robinson. Because mm-hmm. Robinson being such a cheap running back because he was a low pick. I mean, they're going to they have him for two more years after this year. Yeah. So anyway, we always enjoy talking to you, Jeff. And I, I thank you for joining us and thanks for Reese, you know, always bringing the heat on me. And so uh, thanks for joining us, Jeff. You got it. Thank you guys. Have a good one. Bye. Welcome to the fantasy football predictive analytics with Reese Tiefertiller. Tiller.